Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Thank you for joining us on the Feminine Genius Podcast. I'm very excited to jump into today's episode with you. I sneakily decided to release this episode the day after the Feast of Mary Help of Christians, which was yesterday, May 25th. This is an important feast for our guest, Sister Joyce Bermejo. She is a daughter of Mary Help of Christians, which are also known as the Salesian Sisters of Don Bosco. In this episode, we talk about the importance of Mary Help of Christians, how she came to discern her calling to religious life, and the amazing fact that her sister is a sister. I know, that's how sisters work. But I promise, if you listen carefully, you'll see why I say that this is an amazing fact. Okay, on with the show. Hello, Sister Joyce. Hello. How are you? I am fine and dandy. And you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for joining me on The Feminine Genius. Praise God for technology, because I know that we are a couple time zones apart right now. And this is super exciting. But also, just before we got started, when we were praying together, you had mentioned that today, particularly for Salesians, and you are a Salesian sister, it is a important day and I was wondering if you can share a little bit about that. Sure. So as as a Salesian sister, our official name is Daughters of Mary Help of Christians. So St. John Bosco, our founder, actually established our congregation as a living monument of gratitude to Mary Help of Christians for all the miracles that she has done in all of his life. So every 24th of the month, and especially on May 24th, the feast, we have a novena to Mary Help of Christians. And today is really special because right now our the tenth successor of Don Bosco, the rector major, has made us a day of consecration of the world to Mary in response to the coronavirus. Wow. As many people know, like we are in the middle of something that's totally unprecedented in our world, just with the coronavirus. So I'm really thankful that we have mm-hmm. communities of religious like the Salesians who are praying for just the the renewal of the world and the healing of the world. But I know that we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I just thought that it was such a profound and happy coincidence that we decided to record on this day. And again, thanks to technology. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself uh, and share a little bit about who you are. So my name is Sister Joyce Bermejo. I am a Salesian sister. I made profession in August 5th, 2018. So I'm almost two years old as a sister. I'm currently living in Cornwall, which is in Ontario, an hour and a half away from Montreal. And I'm studying early childhood education. As we mentioned a little bit, you are a Salesian sister. So for maybe those who aren't familiar with the Salesian community or Don Bosco, can you share a little bit about that community? Sure. So I mentioned earlier that 
our real, our official name is actually Daughters of Mary Help of Christians. Mm -hmm. And that was after St. John Bosco who named us, but also our co-foundress who is not as well known. Her name is St. Mary Mazzarello. She was the first Salesian sister. So both St. John Bosco and St. Mary Mazzarello served the young people. So as a Salesian sister, my life is really for the dedication of evangelizing youth in whatever way. So we have schools, we have retreats, we have summer camps. So we evangelize by educating, but not just in the classroom, but in all sorts of ways. And our life, we because we're an active community, so we live community life as well, which is simple and, you know, welcoming. And we really uh, live out the family spirit in our communities. Like you mentioned, you're in Cornwall right now with the sisters. I'm recording from home in Surrey, mm-hmm. and I know that Surrey is your hometown. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your life prior to becoming a sister. Well, um, I, I was a coffee barista. I was working part-time in a coffee shop. Uh, it was really funny because six months before I graduated, uh, I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but six mm-hmm. months before I graduated university, I applied for this job and my younger sister actually referred me. And I told the boss, I said, I really need to save up money so that I could enter the convent. And he's like, What? Yeah, I just need this job just for six months, just so I could enter the convent. Okay. And then I got the job. (laughs) But anyways, um, so I was a coffee barista uh, on the side, but I was also finishing up my university degree in UBC Mm -hmm. as an English major student. Also, I was a youth leader in Couples for Christ Youth or Youth for Christ, as it's known. So I kind of was juggling all these things while I was in university. And you mentioned earlier that you had graduated from UBC in English with a language emphasis. What was it that you wanted to be at the time? To be quite honest, I was really more thinking about teaching in university. Well, if I have to go back, I don't know why, but when I was eight, I wanted to be an astronaut. I really don't know why. I guess when you're that age, you just kind of... (laughs) And then in high school, I wanted to be like an anime artist because I love drawing and I loved... I loved anime, but then when I got to university, I wanted to become more practical in my mind. Um, So then I, in my mind, so then I pursued a career in teaching English uh, so that I could be a high school or elementary teacher. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I, I meet sisters and having the opportunity to be surrounded by sisters here in Surrey, we actually do have a, a convent for the Salesian sisters. There are four of them that live um, mm-hmm. not too far away, like at your family's parish, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That convent actually was open the same year that I professed. So that year was kind of crazy because I profess, my sister professed, and then that convent is actually our newest uh, house. Yeah, and, and one of them is a teacher at a local high school, uh, and the other sisters are very actively involved in the parish and youth ministries. Yeah, but of course, you also alluded to the fact that, you know, you were doing a a gig, a side gig at a coffee shop mm-hmm. so that you can save up money. And I was wondering mm-hmm. when that moment was when you heard the call to discern religious life and ultimately go through with that. And now you're a sister. So I would love to hear that story. Sure. Um, it's funny because when I hear other people's stories, um, I was like, wow, like they had such a like 
direct and like clear call from God, you know, like when you hear stories and I really, I'm really inspired by that. I feel like mine is more, a little bit more ordinary, I guess, because it was a gradual process. So I mentioned earlier that I was actively involved in serving Couples for Christ youth. And so I would say I kind of had a reconversion to the Catholic faith. I, I was always Catholic. I always went to church. But I didn't really establish a personal relationship with, with Christ until I was a leader in, in this youth group. So while I was actually uh, in university, when you know most people, unfortunately, fall away from the faith, I grew more and more in love with my Catholic faith and as well as Jesus. And serving young people was my greatest joy. You know, I would find myself spending all my free time <laughs> at church or in prayer meetings or in service meetings or doing agape street ministry or whatever it is related to my service with Youth for Christ. I found so much joy in that. Then one day, uh, I think two years before I graduated, one of the leaders in Youth for Christ, she's actually a Salesian sister now. And then she invited two sisters from the East, Eastern Canada to come to Surrey for a weekend. And so I went because she invited me. It's called a come and see weekend. And at that moment, I, I mean, I was really inspired by the joy of those sisters. And I, I had a moment in adoration where I really felt profound peace, you know, just talking to God and listening to him. Then a few months after that, because I was serving ANCOP, which is answering the cry of the poor, I went on a mission trip with them, as well as with other nine young adults. And it is when I was with the poor, like, you know, we were building these cement walls and building these one-room houses that people were living in. I realized that it is in poverty that there's a lot of joy. These people had next to nothing, and yet they were so joyful. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, I'm a North American student, you know, I have relative comfort living at home and I had school, I had a part-time job, you know, and yet there's still something missing. Mm -hmm. And so during that mission trip, I asked myself, you know, how can I serve God? Not just when I have a meeting or I have a mission trip, but 24 seven. And then I thought about the come and see weekend a few months earlier. And I said, well, the sisters do that. Like they serve God 24 seven. Is that it? From that time onwards, I kept in touch with this one of the sisters, and I kept in touch with us with a priest in spiritual direction. So those two people really helped me to in my discernment journey. All the while, I also kept up my personal prayer life, and through prayer, I sensed a growing and deepening love for Jesus and His love for me. And I think that that love really. Uh, became more profound whenever I received the sacraments or went to Mass. So after two years of that experience, I decided to apply and enter with the Salesian Sisters the summer after my graduation. And I love that yeah. too, just because the more that I, I hear these types of stories, and even though you you mentioned that it's maybe more on the ordinary side, like I still think that it's extraordinary to see how God had planted you know, little desires in your heart. And he also placed 
you know, this whole community, this particular parish, there were Salesian priests around. Mm -hmm. Um, You were serving the youth through your service. And then, you know, having that opportunity to go on a come and see, it really seemed like it was a very, Mm -hmm. there were many defining moments, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of connected the dots, but honestly, it wasn't like one moment, like you said, but I think it was just a process. Right. So then once you entered in, you know, from the time that you entered to where you are now, what has that process been like? So for the Salesian Sisters, we have a four-year formation period. So when I first entered, I actually lived here in Cornwall the first year as an aspirant. And it was kind of like an introduction, you know, to the Salesian life. You know, I learned about Don Bosco, St. Mary Mazzarello, and, you know, the Salesian spirit, and as well as living with the sisters and seeing their work firsthand. The following year, I went to California as a postulant. So there we had a more uh, school, a very active school life because the convent was connected to an elementary school. So it was more intense in terms of mission life, but I also got to live with two other young women discerning religious life in the U.S. So it was kind of like a a very intense period of living with companions who were in the same stage, but also attending classes to become a sister, plus mission life. And then finally, the last two years were the novitiate, which uh, is very typical of every congregation, but for us, it's two years. So that's was in New Jersey, and it's actually a more kind of more contemplative, but also uh, active period where we really study our rule, the constitutions. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like formation is something that everyone should go through. Like I tell my parents about my formation and the classes I'm taking, and they're like, wow, I wish we had that before we got married, <laughs> you know, because, and I was like, you know, like, I don't regret any of the formation I received because honestly, I learned a lot about myself, first of all, as a human being, something that my novice directress would say was like, grace builds on nature. So you have to know yourself first as a human being, and then you can work on the spiritual stuff. And that's exactly what that initial four or five years of formation was for me, uh, you know, got getting to see my lights and shadows. And then at the same time, deepening my love for Christ and the consecration that I'm preparing myself for. It was a beautiful, I mean, I'm still in formation, but uh, it was definitely a beautiful time. No, that's incredible. And I think about, of, of course, being in university now, like I don't have typical or regulated religion classes the way that I did when I was in high school or elementary school. So the only formation that we really get, so to speak, would be any type of like young adult group Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. actually seeking it out for yourself, whether it was like a Bible study or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing you talk about it, it makes me think, I was like, oh, I would really love that as well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now you talk a little bit about your family. Obviously, it must be challenging to be away from your family. Uh, I know that your parents and your brother live here. Mm -hmm. Now, you also have another sister, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you and her are obviously blood related, but there is a very extra special connection that you have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It's really weird because I entered two years before my sister, who is now Sister Rosaria, and she entered because at the time their formation was only two years and ours is four. 
So by the time that we both finished our initial formation, it happened by chance, I guess, we didn't plan it, that that's the same year. So she professed on the 28th of July, and I professed on August 5th. As I was rereading the article that we, we were both uh, interviewed in, something popped out at me, and it's something that she said. She, mm-hmm. she said that, you know, not only does our family and our brain, is our upbringing shared between us, but also our consecration. So it's definitely a type of relationship and friendship and sisterhood that's I don't have with anyone else. So she and I communicate through uh, snail mail, through letters, because that's the way that they communicate in their community. And it's amazing to see how, like, how much she's grown. I, I had the opportunity to see her for the first time in three years in person last summer. Wow. Um, and she has grown a lot, you know, she's very mature and very peaceful to where she is. And I think the beauty of any vocation is really finding your true self, where you're most alive, fulfilled, and the saint that God called you to be. And I think for both of us, even though, yes, we're in two different congregations, we share in our consecration as spouses of Christ, which is something that we're both grateful for. It's definitely a blessing. Maybe for some people, it's like, well, wh- why are you doing that? Like now there's like only my brother left in um, <laughs> the family that's probably going to get married. But <laughs> thankfully, my parents are very supportive. Yeah, very supportive. So for me, it's really special like to have that connection with her. And I know for me, when I whenever I attend Mass, I try to think of her in the moment of consecration and you know, say to myself, hey, I'm offering this for my sister. Well, for all my family, but, you know, especially for my sister who is far away, but very much close in spirit. Yeah, it's really special. Right. And can you share, uh, can you remind us which congregation uh, your sister is in right now? Yeah, uh, she's with the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. So she's currently in Nashville, Tennessee. We're also very blessed here in our Archdiocese of Vancouver to have a community of Dominican sisters of St. Cecilia, also teachers. And I love to see that connection between both of your congregations, Mm. just the fact that you both are, you know, in the same kind of realm and the same, like, charism. Well, the same mission, I guess. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Charism. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, yes. I mean, they're more, uh, definitely the prayer and community life is very different, but mm-hmm. we share in the same mission of evangelizing through educating. Yeah. Beautiful. I know that we talked a lot about your community's life and whatnot, but for you personally, what is your favorite part about being a religious sister and being in religious life? It, this is really hard to answer. I was like walking up and down the stairs yesterday looking at this and I was like, well, first of all, I love being consecrated to God. I mean, mm. it's just, it's, I don't know, it's um, being consecrated to Jesus. And for one is very, to me, it's a mystery, really. But I feel a profound peace with the fact that I can just go to our chapel, which is in our house, and have that connection with him, you know, and go there whenever I can and want to. And as a religious, I think that that is such a great, aspect of li- of being a religious is that yes sacramentally you can be with Jesus at any time and it's a great blessing to have that connection with him of course you, you can be anywhere and be connected to God but I think it's a blessing to be consecrated and 
to be a spouse of Christ and have that privilege of being able to have the Blessed Sacrament in your house. I also really enjoy our community life, the joy of living with other sisters who share the same consecration. I especially love our recreation moments. I think as Salesians, we, because we really emphasize a lot on family spirit, the way that we deal with each other is very sisterly like and very family like you know and we Mm -hmm. we tease each other we laugh and we have fun together so I really really love those moments as well right yeah I've had the opportunity to play board games with religious sisters and it was actually at the Salesian convent not too long ago and it's hilarious to see how competitive sisters can get (laughs) so much fun oh my gosh so much joy tell me about it (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> for sure. No, I, I was just going to say like it's and I totally include myself in this just as I've mm-hmm. gotten older. It's only been recently that I've come to see that there is a profound joy that religious sisters have as as women, as daughters and as spouses of Christ. And it's mm-hmm. a joy that I really didn't think that, you know, sisters who are living in community, some of them being cloistered and, you know, Mm -hmm. spending their lives in contemplative silence and whatnot, not realizing that that in itself is a joy and a gift and Mm -hmm. a privilege. And then for more active orders, like for example, the Salesians or Dominicans, there were also the Franciscan sisters of the Eucharist, you know, all of these women have so much joy and Mm -hmm. they are still ordinary women with the I guess with a particular gift of just being consecrated to Jesus and Mm -hmm. the joy in knowing that and the security of your daughterhood and Mm -hmm. and being that spouse is so beautiful and it's it's radiant and it's so infectious just to to be in their presence and I'm just so thankful for that I'm thankful for women like you who are able to witness to that thank you I'm so glad to see that that's beautiful And I guess it's like speaking on femininity and and Mm. thinking about the feminine genius, of course, and in the context of this podcast, for you personally, how have you seen your own feminine genius grow throughout your life and into this vocational discernment and now as a sister? As I understand it, in terms of like spiritual motherhood, I think for me, how I've grown in that feminine genius is coming to realize that God is in the real You know, that's kind of been my motto this Lenten season is just to push myself to go out of my comfort zone and encounter the people God puts in my path. You know, when I speak to a young person and, you know, they want to talk or they just want to like talk about their problems with me, I really see Jesus in them. And I think it not only do I know it's a help for them that I listen to them, not only am I helping them in that way, I feel like they're helping me as well in my own growth as a spiritual mother, you know, there's so much sacredness in other people that when I, when I'm given the privilege to help them out, I feel my spiritual motherhood grow more and more. Also, I think being responsible for my own personal formation through personal prayer, I'm also growing in self-awareness. I think that definitely being aware of yourself is a gift. Nobody's ever perfect or going to be perfect on this earth and I think that as a religious this is where God is calling me to be a saint so what am I doing (laughs) like every day to grow into that person while at the same time accepting myself as I am 
So it's kind of like a balance um, in accepting myself as I am, but also being open to growing more. So I think God has helped me to grow in my self-awareness and, you know, to follow his inspirations and how I can be the saint that he has created me to be every single day. Right. Yeah, because I know that one of the the misconceptions that I know that I have and maybe other people have is that, you know, the minute you enter the convent, you become almost immune to, to sin and whatnot. And it's so beautiful. I wish. Right? I, I know. I wish too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but, but I think that that's so beautiful too, just to hear your own realizations and humbleness in being able to accept the fact that even now when you are in this relationship and consecration with Jesus, that you still have to work at it. It's not a free mm-hmm. pass. No. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be great, you know, but <laughs> you know, I'm, as a human being, you know, like we're always going to fall, but one of my favorite spiritual writers, St. Father Jacques Philippe, you know, in one of his books, he, Interior Freedom, he always says, it's not so much, you shouldn't focus so much on your mistakes as how much God loves you. I, I'm paraphrasing it. So I think for me, it's always like a reminder, like, okay, like I did something, maybe I shouldn't have or said something or whatever, but you know what? Just get up again because God is always there waiting for you to embrace you, you know? So I think I have to be easy on myself, but also open to like God's love. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I love that. <laughs> I recommend it. He's a really good writer. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I've got a couple of his books myself, and I'll definitely mm. um, share that title that you had mentioned. I guess just to, to really tie it all together, you're mentioning this aspect of spiritual motherhood and the fact that, you know, you have the opportunity to minister to young people. And, you know, I think about myself, but also just other women that I know who are on the journey. And sometimes, like, we really resist this idea of the fact that God might be calling us to religious life and that, you know, the natural thing for women to do, because this is maybe what society or media says, is to get married and start a family and recognizing that there is beauty in spiritual motherhood and there's Mm -hmm. beauty in the religious life. So for those women uh, or even men who might listen to this and for anyone who is discerning religious life or maybe is afraid of discerning religious life and they've got anxieties around Mm -hmm. that type of call what advice do you have for those people basing it off my own experience I would say that the number one thing that's really important is making time for personal prayer I mean now Bishop Barron calls it the imposed monasticism on everybody (laughs) because now we have time to do this but I think you know, just like if you were dating somebody, right? What is the most important thing for you to develop that relationship? Well, it's quality time and making time for that person. So in the same way, if you're discerning religious life, you know, make time for personal prayer. And I I think I have to say this, I saw this in a vocation booklet too. Like if you're really discerning religious life, don't divide yourself, but actually like don't date anyone. Like if you're like right now, let's say you're discerning religious life, because then your focus is really on this vocation. If it's not your vocation, that's okay. But at least you put in the effort to really put all of yourself in it 100%. So yeah, so personal prayer is very important. You know, five or 10 minutes, begin with that. Because it's only in the silence of your heart that you will hear God. Um, 
then on the and then on the other side is also what is your gift and talent you know each religious congregation has a particular way of serving god for salesians we serve young people so if you love working with children and you sense a calling towards religious life well try looking up the salesians and you know do a come and see and you can do the same thing for other congregations that serve in other ways so it's really important to to not only discern what you know, what's in your mind or what you think it's going to be like, but you have to do it with reality, you know? So maybe after the virus, the coronavirus, you can go and do a come and see and really see the life of the sisters as it is and spend a day or a weekend with them. Uh, and finally, be at peace. You know, God, I think St. Ignatius in his, in his practices would say this, like, that God speaks to us in moments of consolation, in moments of peace, and not in moments of desolation or anxiety. Mm, yes. Thank you so much, Sister Joyce, for You're sharing welcome. your time with me. I had promised my own sister that I would do a quick shout out. And I guess it's like one of the one of the things that I had kind of like danced around to and you had, had briefly, briefly, if if listeners were really paying attention oh. on this. <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> so Sister Joyce and I are uh, you know, God willing, you know, with with uh, yes, of course, vocation and whatnot. But we are uniquely linked in a very <laughs> particular way. Um, and I did want to give a shout out to my own sister, uh, my uh, blood sister, Eleanor, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. who happens to be dating your brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy for them. I have to say that I thank you, Eleanor, for making John wash the dishes. I really. <laughs> When I saw it, I was like, yes, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, she's got to wash the dishes at our house, too. <laughs> oh, God, God, will. God will. That's right. Yes. But seriously, like, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. I know that this has been a couple months in the making. I missed you while you were here in town just because yeah. I was sick. But again, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Sister Joyce. And thank you, too, Rachel, for this opportunity. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you again to Sister Joyce Bermejo for joining me on the podcast today. There are more than 11,000 Salesian sisters and counting around the world, and they would love to hear from you. I've left links to their website and social media in the show notes. As for the Feminine Genius Podcast, you can stay up to date by following us on social media. We are at FemGeniusPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also listen to and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love what you're hearing, I would love it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other people find the show. A big thank you in advance for your help and for listening. We'll talk to you next time and God bless always.